Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Today we have a really great guest, Sherry Lee Wysick, and Sherry's coming to us from Canada. And I'll tell you why I'm excited about Sherry, because Sherry is someone like many of us who are starting out on a journey. We're not exactly sure how we're going to get where we're going to go, but we know it's causing us to dig deep. And I'm not going to tell you Sherry's story, but I will tell you that when she does, you will be also amazed at how successful she's become, how she hung to her core values, or what I like to call her non-negotiables, and still achieved everything. So Sherry considers herself a Facebook marketer and a training for an ad trainer for online entrepreneurs. I actually think from reading about Sherry, she is so much more. So with that little bit of an introduction, Sherry, introduce yourself and Sherry Lee and introduce yourself and then um, tell us a little bit about how you got started in this business. Well, thanks so much, Sarah. It's uh, a thrill to be here. I love meeting... um, as many people as I possibly can. And I guess that's one of the joys about social media. So it's always, it's always fun to talk to new people. So, you know, how did I get started? Well, many years ago, I was a stay-at-home mom with two kids. And my husband at the time had always worked for himself. He had come from an experience of a lifetime where all he did was work for himself. And he was working for himself uh, when we were married. And I had never worked for myself. I'd always been somebody else's employee. That was just the way our family had been. And it never occurred to me to ever be anything else. I remember not even thinking that owning a business was possible to me. And I had two kids that, um, you know, were the, of course, the love of my life. And I was homeschooling those kids and spending a lot of time in family kid stuff all day. And I started feeling like I needed a little bit more adult interaction. And so started dabbling in some direct sales pieces, like a lot of moms do. You know, I got into Usborne Books because uh, my daughter loved Usborne Books and I wanted to find a way to get access to a lot of those books at a really, you know, less, less expensive price. And so signing up to be a distributor was my first foray into anything business-like. And I quickly realized that it was okay for cash flow, but I was really doing more to make them rich than me, that I was working way too much to ever get rich. And then we went to Hawaii one year after my son was born. I think he was about four or five, four at the time. And we came home and we went to the mailbox to get our mail. And he's jumping up and down. Is there any mail for me? Is there any mail for me? And I, I had, funnily enough, I'd sent them postcards from Hawaii to each of the kids. So the mail had shown up and their postcards were in the mail. They were so excited to get these postcards. And I thought, gee, there's something there. Like, isn't there a way... Kids love getting mail, isn't there a way? So I, at that point, started creating what was my first business, which was Mail for Kids. And it was a subscription service for kids to get mail every month. And I created postcard-sized cards. There was a picture on the front, a description on the back, and I created an activity sheet. And then I had to figure out how am I going to tell people about this? And that's when I discovered stepping into social media. And through using social media, I grew that and I had subscribers all over the world. And then my marriage started getting rocky and I thought, okay, I need 
I knew that I wasn't going to be able to generate the amount of money that I wanted. It was a tough industry. Education is a hard industry. The kids' niche is, is challenging for something like this. And so I thought, ah, you know, there's, I got to do something else. And I was at a networking meeting. And all the time, this was just supposed to be part-time around my family. I was at a networking meeting and women were talking about social media and somebody in the room said, how many of you are on Twitter? Three people put up their hand out of 55 and the rest, of, then she's asked, how many of you know you need to be on social media? And the rest of the room raised their hands and I sat there and went, wait a minute, I figured out how to use social media to promote mail for kids. I could teach them how to set up and promote their social media. And that was in December of 2009. And from that, I started in January of 2010, figuring out what what that was going to look like. And in September of 2011, I started offering workshops to local business owners to teach them how to set up Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Figured one or two workshops a month would be perfect. It would take me out of the house. I would be around some other adults. I'd make a little bit of money. Things, you know, that would be perfect. I didn't want to work more than that. And I wanted to be at home with my kids. And then about six months after I started that, uh, I, it was a Friday morning and my kids had swimming lessons. Then we would have lunch at the community center. And then we would go to homeschool science lessons in the afternoon at a different community center. And this was our Friday routine. And so we got up, we got ready to go. We went out. We had our day. We were at science class. They were in the class. I was waiting for them at the community center. My phone rang and it was my husband and I answered. And all I heard was, I've changed the locks on the home. Don't bother coming back. There's a lot of hotels where we live. And then he hung up. And that's how we ended our 14-year marriage. And I sat in the community center shaking and not knowing what to do at that point. And that was really the starting point of an amazing journey that has led me to where I am today. That was, uh, that'll be eight years ago in February. Obviously, a lot of upheaval, being locked out of the house with two kids and only the clothes on our back on a Friday afternoon. A week later, um, I was told by his siblings that he had left the country. And I got back into our home, but I was discovered I was left with about a million dollars in debt that he had incurred in my name and two devastated little kids and my own devastation and no income. Really, I hadn't been making an awful lot of money and serious mama bear mode kicked in. And I just realized I had to just do something to figure out how to do this. And that's really where everything started. It's kind of a long, long way of getting to that. No, that's perfect. And that is partly why I think for me, you're so inspirational because, and when you summed it up and said the mama bear mode kicked in, right? And whether you have kids or not, any woman who's had that, that overwhelming sense that this is not okay and this is not going to happen and mm-hmm. I'm going to do what it takes, right? Mm-hmm. Those pieces mm-hmm. there. Actually, just looking at you, and our listeners can't see you, but I, I could see you just being a tough mama bear. So I like <laughs> you know, the image. You know what's interesting, though, is if, if I, I think if I didn't have kids, I don't know if I would have done what I've done in building a business. I think if I'd been by myself, I probably would have gotten a job and you know gone back to how I'd been before I was married, which was working at a job 
thinking, you know, being really excited about the opportunity, quickly getting promoted into a management kind of position, doing it for a couple of years, and then just losing my enthusiasm, my interest, and not being able to maintain it. Because I'm a crappy employee at the end of the day, it turns out. And I'm much better entrepreneurial, but I didn't know that. But with my kids, I had to make different choices, you know, because I couldn't just lay in bed all day and wallow in the devastation I was feeling and feel, you know, I took it so personally. Him walking out was a statement of who I was and what my value was. Because how could somebody that I've been married to for 14 years and given everything to dis- discard me so coldly? And I thought that meant that there was something wrong with me. And if I'd been alone, I would have just gotten a job to pay the bills and stayed, you know, and made bad choices. But I had a six-year-old and a 10-year-old who were equally, if not more devastated, but who needed to get up every day and do something to see what normal might look like. Because, I mean, obviously a guy who ends a marriage like that, our marriage hadn't been all peaches and honey before that, right? There'd been a, obviously there was problems before that. And, but my kids needed to see what was possible. And I remember about 18 months and the first 18 months are pretty much a blur. It was just, you know, get up and put one foot in front of the other and try not to lose it all the time. I lost it plenty of times, but about 18 months after that happened, I had created a routine of getting up at about four or five in the morning to work before the kids got up so I could get some work done because I started saying yes to any opportunity that came my way that was in alignment with what I could do. And um, truth be told, I took some projects that I couldn't do and I thought, I'll figure it out as I go, (laughs) which is not the best choice entrepreneurially. But I'd gotten up, you know, I'd get up early and work. The kids would get up, we'd spend time together. They'd go to bed. I'd work again. So I was burning the candle at both ends. But my daughter got up one morning and I'd been up for many hours working and I was feeling very optimistic and very hopeful. And there was, you know, I thought some very positive things were going on. And I met her at the bottom of the stairs and I put my hands on her shoulders and I said, honey, we are going to make this the very best thing that's ever happened to us. And she looked at me like I'd sprouted a second head. She knew exactly what I was talking about right away, but she really thought like, you're crazy. How could you ever see what he did as a positive thing? How could you ever see that positively? But that moment, deciding that moment has been the focus that I've used every step of the way since then, because I wanted for them to not be, you know, 20, 30, 40 year old adults still pining for someone who walked away from them, you know, feeling like they were missing out on something or like there was something wrong with them and making bad choices of other people to be around because his choices were somehow a reflection to them. And I wanted, I knew that this was going to be a defining moment, but I knew we could control how it defined us. And that deter- decision has led us to create, you know, the most amazing life that's only, you know, getting better at every turn. So let's talk about how that decision, because you made a conscious choice in that moment to not it's- let the event define you or your children or what mm-hmm. was possible. So 
did you at that moment or leading up to that moment or around that moment, were you making different choices about what you, that clearly is one about what you thought, but about what you believed as possible, actions you took, actions you took with your kids? Did you have major changes or subtle changes that helped you help them move forward? I think there's been a little bit of both. And, and, you know, I told you before we went on live that we were, I was going to, I'm, I was going to be a hundred percent transparent. And so what I'm going to say now is as I'm saying this to you, I'm realizing that my focus has been on making sure their experience was positive and I haven't nurtured and taken care of myself as much as them. It's, I, I had a little bit of an epiphany. I don't know if you saw it there. I kind of went, Whoa, that's, and it's, it's interesting because my focus has been on making sure they were okay. And there are still moments when I, you know, let myself get tired or let myself get run down and I am not feeling as strong where I can still think his actions are a reflection of my value. Those still creep up every once in a while. It was 14 years of a type of programming and a type of abuse that led to that ending that has given me a great opportunity to challenge those beliefs about myself. But I think, you know, every day that, I mean, I wasn't aware of that decision every minute of every day. It wasn't something that played in my brain every minute of every day. I think I've been more aware of it in the last couple of years, but I really struggled with seeing how much I did accomplish in the moment. And I remember uh, it was around 2015. I was speaking to somebody, I think it was a summit interview or maybe a podcast interview. And she made some comment about how much I'd achieved and how successful I was already. And in my head, immediately I went, Oh no, I'm not. What are you talking about? I haven't achieved anything because I hadn't hit what I had put down as my big goals yet. And I hadn't reached what I perceive other people to have done, right? In that comparison, which is just the worst thing in the world that you can do. But I immediately dismissed it. And she said to me, you need to sit down and spend some time thinking about this. Because think about who you were in 2011 when you heard what he had done. And when you dealt with that and think about how you felt and think about what your business looked like and think about it now. And then tell me you haven't achieved anything. But because I was only looking at what I had identified as my big goal, I had discounted all the little steps that I'd taken. And I realized after that conversation that even when I thought I was falling on my face, I was still moving forward. And that's really powerful because it is easy when you've got a big goal and a lot. I just think about even if it's not written on paper, we have this mental list of when I'm here, when I'm here, when I'm here. And it can make us feel like even we have a great day of achievements, right? But we're on to the next thing. Yes. Or you're in, maybe in your case, you're thinking, okay, but what about the kids? You know, what about them? I did okay at work. But let me back up because I think when you started to tell us as part of your introduction that you were at a network meeting and people raised their hand about Twitter, Go back to that network meeting mm-hmm. and pretend that that's you at that time. Get your head into that Sherry Lee space, Sherry Lee space at that time. And now picture you today walking into that room and sitting down at the table with you 
and saying, hi, I'm Sherry Lee. Who are you? What would that woman think of you today? Oh, that's a powerful question. You know, it's interesting that I, I can remember that meeting so vividly. And I, I know the women in the room. And funnily enough, two months ago, I was at one of their meetings. So it's a group that still exists and I still see some of those people. And, uh, you know, if I was to meet, if I was to show up in that meeting as I am today to meet that person, that was before, you know, he had changed the lock. So I was still fooling myself. I, I think, I think that she would look at me and be completely amazed at what I had accomplished, what she had accomplished. I think that she would probably doubt that it was her and start trying to find ways to discount how she couldn't actually do it. The difference between the two of you. Yeah. yeah. The irony that it's the same person, but one just kept putting one foot in front of the other day after day. Yeah. And I, I often say, that I didn't think I had a choice. And and that's really untrue. And I think that's also dismissive of me in a way. And I've been doing a lot of work in the last few months around choice and recognizing that everything in my life is my choice. And, And when you accept that and you accept the responsibility for that, things change hugely. So, you know, I did have a choice. I I chose, I chose this. Now it may have been the harder path in some ways, but in retrospect, I can't see having done it any other way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. That's a powerful thing to be able to say. Mm -hmm. I do want to ask you, you know, given the changes in you and what you've accomplished and your ability um, I understand in our previous conversations before we hit record that friends and people told you you should put your kids in regular school and just take that mm-hmm. off your plate. And that was one of your non-negotiables, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. You weren't going to do that. Yep. So how have your choices and the decisions you've made, how do you think they affect your kids who are now, your daughter's almost an adult? She's almost 19. Mm-hmm. Yep. My and son's 14. Yeah. So how and do you think your life has helped them or shaped them to see options in their lives? You know, it's an interesting journey. Um, The two of them came into our new home and into this new way of living with a lot of hurt and fear and damage. And I wasn't even aware of how much initially. And nobody, it's interesting. I hear people talking all the time about, well, I'm going to start my own business and my family and friends aren't supportive and they tell me that I shouldn't. At first, people said, get a job and put the kids in school. And then they started saying, well, put the kids in school so you can run your business and have time to work without having to deal with the kids. And that was never in alignment with my philosophy around parenting. I mean, I homeschooled before this. My intention was to homeschool before this. And I mean, for a number of reasons, both of my kids learn in different ways than the traditional school environment accommodates. So, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that they had the most opportunities for sex success. Was every moment at home fabulous? No, for sure. There, there was some challenging times and I wasn't always the best at 
doing what I felt I needed to do. But you know, when things got tough, because I worked from home, I could say, let's stop trying to do this. Let's go to the park. You know, let's go do something. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. And, you know, I think what I'm seeing in my kids, in my daughter, especially being a bit older, is a sense of freedom that she has. She decided when she was 15, she wanted to get a job. And she got a job at a local restaurant in the mall, a little food court restaurant. And she was so excited to get this job and she felt so validated. And my son has spoken in the past when he was younger about jobs as being like, he's, he actually looked at me and said, you don't, you don't have a real job. Like you got to get a real job to be serious. And he's changed that since then. But there was this whole feeling of like jobs being something significant. And so my daughter had this experience. She worked there almost two years and it was a horrible experience. She had a very, probably a typical boss she didn't enjoy the work environment. She didn't like somebody else controlling her schedule or telling her what to do or micromanaging her or criticizing her for two minutes of standing still. Typical employee stuff. And she made the decision last year to quit and then went, well, now what? I don't ever want to have somebody else telling me what to do and managing my time again. And that's when I saw the freedom of how we've lived start impacting her because then she started saying, what can I do that allows me to earn money and live the way I want to live? And she wants to travel. And in her heart, she's a writer. She is writing her first novel to be published. She's, you know, getting established in the book community. She runs a book club on Facebook and she runs a uh, game around reading on Facebook that's super popular. She's built a huge community and she wants to use her writing. So then she started asking, well, how else can I make money in order to be able to travel and live the way I want to live and manage my time and get up when I want to get up and work when I'm at my best instead of trying to shove herself into somebody else's set, you know, way they think it should look. And it's really exciting to see her see her life with the freedom and the opportunities that she perceives. She can, you know, literally do anything she wants to do. There's so many more ways to earn a living in this world now than even 10 years ago. And she's just like open to it, you know, and my son, of course, he's 14. He's, you know, a bit younger. He's, he will probably end up working for himself as well in some capacity, uh, he doesn't really have the temperament to be told what to do very much by people. So, but it's interesting because he's of an age where he could, he thinks, you know, I could, I could start streaming my video games and I could make a living off of that. Like there's just anything is possible, right? It's very, very interesting to see. And he's got friends who go to school and he spends time with this one friend, especially, and this friend is very, very typical academic student. And I'm not saying that in any negative fashion. I'm not trying to offend anybody. But this student's in grade nine and my son is seeing the impact of school on him. The stress about grades, the stress about testing, the stress about doing good. And he's already projecting and thinking about grade 10, 11, and 12 and how important those years are so he can make sure he can get into a good university so he can get a degree and get a good job. And like, this is his linear path. And that's fine. We need people 
we need people of all types in the world. But my son is seeing that and going, doesn't he see how many other opportunities there are? And it's really interesting to have that conversation with him at this age to have him going, you know, to questioning this. That is great because you don't really want to start questioning when you're 35 or 40 what you might have, even if you ultimately choose a more traditional path to be able to question it, then you're going, nope, that's what fits for me. I really want to get into this college or university or career path, but right, to know that you have options. Yeah. And it's kind of exciting to see because, I mean, we I come from a generation, you know, where my dad worked at the same job for 28 years and my sister did as well. She worked at a job for almost 20, 26 or 28 years and it was a job and she would never speak about it. My brothers, my oldest brothers worked, worked at the same job for over 20 years and they never wanted to speak about it. This They went to work and there was a function of that job and that function was to earn money to live. And then they tried to jam as much life as they could into the time outside of work. And it's such a different world now where, you know, we can, we can create our lives any way we want to be what we want them to be. And if it's not working, just change it. And Just changing it requires, what would you say the first step in just changing something is? Barring someone changing the locks on the door and being forced to make it, right? (laughs) That J. Random woman. It's just, it's a choice. First you you have to decide that what you've got isn't working and you're not going to sit and complain about it anymore to all your friends and you're not going to live feeling the way you are feeling in this situation. And so you're going to change it and do something different. Now, most people think I'm going to make that decision. That means tomorrow I walk into my job and I quit my job. No, that's not what it means. The decision is made. It might be days or weeks or months before even the first step of action is taken step of action. But before that is the mental work that you need to do, the preparedness, the education, the information, the choice is the first step. And then it's a matter of making the the actions when you're ready. The choice doesn't mean you have to take action tomorrow. That was a, a lesson that, you know, has been a long time coming in say, and, and in fact, Time is only a man-made thing. Our, our biggest challenge is that we're so impatient. I've made the choice. I want it right now. I decided and yesterday that I'm going to do this. Today has happened, and it hasn't happened yet. A, I'm either a failure, or B, I'm mad that you know some outside force hasn't distributed it, this thing to me that I chose. Choosing is step one. It's the action that matters. Well, and it sounds like what if I were to put it into this kind of framework that I think about, it's like I make a decision or we make decisions and it's like, I don't, I want to be instead of where I am somewhere else, there's a gap between where I am and wherever the there is, right? Yeah. Yeah. For all of us. And it may mean that I need to learn skills or gain knowledge or align myself with people who are smarter than me or know skills I don't have and collaborate. But mm-hmm. that does take time and it takes patience and perseverance. So this is my segue into asking you to talk about your business because I think what you do actually helps entrepreneurs kind of start bridging some of that 
those gaps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you up for talking about sure. that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I help entrepreneurs, and this this has a, been a growing need for me. I help entrepreneurs, and I'm going to say mostly women, although I don't exclusively work just with women, but my story and who I am attracts women, but I have plenty of men in my community. Find a way to use Facebook to connect with prospects for their businesses. And it's because I was able to work for an hour, take an hour with the kids, work for half an hour, walk to the park with my son. And I was able to do that and create a living for myself and my kids and a life, you know, and enough, enough income so that I could do that. And yet I was hearing women and, and men all the time saying, I just want to pick my kids up from school. I want to be able to uh, be home for dinners. I want to put my kids to bed at night. I want to be able to travel with them. That whole feeling of choice again, of having you know the lifestyle that they wanted. And I thought, if I can do this, if I can go from where I started and create a business that allows me to spend time on Facebook and get paid to be on Facebook and paid well and be able to play with my kids and have fun and go out and do whatever I want to do. If I can do this, then somebody else, anybody else can do it as well. And so that's my focus is what can I teach you about Facebook? Because mostly people do Facebook wrong. And Facebook ads are a whole nother thing. There's a whole lot of moving parts to Facebook ads. And a lot of people have either chosen not to get into Facebook ads because they're kind of scary or they've stepped into Facebook ads and it hasn't worked out the way all the big gurus make it sound. It'll work out. Like I ran one ad, I made a million dollars. Look at me driving my Lamborghini to the beach and I never have to work again. Eh, It doesn't work like that. (laughs) They don't show you all the hard work that happened beforehand. So I've kind of made it my mission to get rid of some of that BS and show you what it really takes to grow a business, but how you can do that in the time you want to spend in the budget that you can afford to spend and that it can be so much more fun than people think it will be. Okay. I want to know how it can be more fun. (laughs) (laughs) It can be so much fun. See, the reason why people don't enjoy, now I'm talking about, you know, using your business page to connect with your audience and to do business on Facebook. And a lot of people don't think it's fun because you know what they're doing? They're creating one-way communication advertising of their business. And then they're saying, well, why isn't anybody replying? Nobody's even seeing my post. I didn't get any likes or any comments on that. That was a great post. That's a great sale that I've got on right now. Why isn't anybody even clicking through and buying anything? That's why nobody's having fun. If that's how I spent my day, I wouldn't think that was very fun either. Facebook is really counterintuitive to how we think we should be doing this. You should only talk about yourself and your business and your offers about 10% of the time. And the other 90% is about building relationships. This is not, even though we're advertising, it's not just about advertising. It's about building relationships. So for a lot of people, it's just understanding how to take their good networking skills and transfer them onto, you know, onto a computer, to a networking, a website, really. But when you know what to post on your Facebook page so that people actually like, comment, and share, 
and you see the same people commenting on more of your posts on the next post on the next post and you start feeling a rapport with them and they're feeling a rapport with you and then they message you and say hey you know i really have enjoyed our conversation and i need a house painter and i know that's what you do can you come and give me a quote that's when the fun happens so for those folks who are like impatient and want to have it from decision to overnight success building those relationships and starting to have that loop where you really feel you're communicating with rather than to. What do you think for a startup or someone who maybe is in a restart phase, that horizon is? Is it months, weeks? Oh, you can you can affect change on how you are seen on Facebook and how Facebook inter how Facebook plays with you in a week. In a week, I've got uh, a game that I play. I, last year, I was like, this has got to be more fun. And when it's fun, people keep doing it, right? So I, was, I went out swimming. We did a lot of swimming last summer in an outdoor pool. And my kids didn't want to go one day. And typically, I would have said, okay, well, I just won't bother going either. And that day, I went, no, I'm going to go. Even though they don't want to go, I'm going to go swim by myself. So I got there and it was kind of a, I felt a little awkward. It was kind of weird. There's a lot of kids in the pool, but I want, I love swimming. So I got in the pool and I'm swimming by myself and I'm just thinking, how can I make it more fun? How can I make it fun to teach people how to grow their Facebook community on their page and get people interacting with them on their page? And all of a sudden it came to me, it has to be a game. I need to make this a game somehow. So while I'm swimming, I created a 30-day game. This is not something you could do if you had a job. (laughs) This is the joy of entrepreneurship. I'm swimming in an outdoor pool and I'm creating a game. And I went home and I talked about it to my daughter and then I talked myself out of it for a couple of days. Nobody's like that. And then it kind of came back up again. It was perking in behind, you know, and then finally it bubbled up and said, no, you're going to pay attention to this idea. And I this is a good idea. And I talked myself out of it again because I doubted myself. And then finally it came back up and I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And it's a 30 day game that teaches people how to add a thousand real authentic likes to their page. Most people who played it, I think I had about 57 people sign up for it in the fall. Most people who played it had their first thousand likes in seven days. One lady added 5,000 likes to her page in 30 days. And she literally said, I had no idea Facebook could be this much fun. I love going on my business page now. I know what to post. I know how to post. And now when I post, people are actually interacting with me. And she actually at one point had 35,000 people actually engaged with her posts, even though her page only had 6,500 people on it. Like five times the number of people were seeing her posts. This is where fun is. And she she had that first thousand likes in seven days. So it doesn't have to take a long time when you know what to do and you know how to do it. Then Facebook sees that you're doing Facebook the way they want you to. They've got a very specific way they want you to manage your page and promote your business. And if you do it the way they want you to, they love you. And then your next post gets more reach. And Facebook plays nice with you. All these people who run around and say Facebook's out to get you and you have to pay to play and it's got to cost money and nobody's ever going to see your posts. 
It's just because they don't aren't doing what Facebook wants them to do. So I'm just going to note that from someone who went through traditional school and learned the rules, whether you homeschooled or not, you actually learned where the rule markers are because you're actually managing the whole Facebook game, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're offering our listeners a really cool freebie. Mm-hmm. And would you share with them what it is and how they could benefit? And then we'll make sure there's a link in our notes to it. Sure. And I think this is specifically to anybody who's entrepreneurial, who wants to, who is on Facebook already and wants to step into Facebook ads and have some clarity about how to create Facebook ads that work. Uh, There's a lot of pieces in that Facebook ads piece. And a lot of people talk about the targeting and the budgeting, and those are important. But the first things people see is what is in their news feeds. So the image of the ad and the copy of the ad. So I've got a template and a workbook for anybody who wants it to help you to teach you how to write copy for your ad and posts on your page that you can use this without making it be an ad, this technique, specifically the way to write copy that gets people interacting with your post. And then how to use images. Again, counterintuitive. A lot of us think, you know, the image has to be of the product that I'm selling or the service that I've got or of me. And that's not always the way. What we need our images to do is just to stop people in the newsfeed so that they can take the time to read our copy. So Um, This template and workbook will teach you how to create ad copy that converts and select images that grabs attention in the newsfeed. Very cool. So we'll make sure there's a link. And I actually will be downloading that as well. Help yourself. Thank you. (laughs) I'm a a self-helper. So Sherry Lee, I always like to have our guests and share one lesson, and it kind of goes two directions. If someone were to have talked to you back in 2008, okay, so way back, Hmm. what, or even when you were younger, maybe when you were your kid's age now, as they are today, and say, hey, here's a piece of advice. I'm not going to tell you where it came from, but as you go forward in your life, here's a piece of advice to take with you. What might that be for you? Stop letting other people define you. Very Stop cool. letting other people tell you what you should do or what you think, what they think you should do or judge what you do. Yeah. Believe in yourself, I guess, is how that goes. But stop letting other people define you. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. And when you, and you talked earlier about then taking responsibility for your own choices. So those do... They kind of are a big package Mm -hmm. that you have there. Mm -hmm. For sure. Is that the same thing you would say is a takeaway for people as they go forward on their entrepreneurial journeys? Or is there something else you want to leave them with? Yeah, I I would say something else. Um, It's similar. But one thing that I think we do a lot as entrepreneurs, especially in the age of social media and Facebook, is we get to see everybody else's A-game Well, we sit and stew in our D game. We sit in our ratty sweatpants because we don't have to get changed and we haven't showered maybe for a couple of days because we work from home. And it's just simple walk from the bedroom and get to your computer and hope somebody is emailed to do business with you. 
And then we, you know, get discouraged or we do some work or we avoid the work we don't want to do. And so we go onto Facebook and we end up killing time. And what do we see? Only everybody else's A game when they've got their makeup done and their hair done and they're at events and they always seem so happy and everything is always going their way. And they've been invited to go here and to, they're traveling there and they're spending the weekend at the spa. And then we look at ourselves and that comparison trap is the worst thing we can do to ourselves as entrepreneurs. So stop comparing yourself to anybody else. Your journey is your journey. And I mentioned this to you before we hit record or maybe even on. I didn't think I had gotten anywhere four years into my business because I hadn't achieved somebody else's A-game. And when I took the time to look back at it, I had achieved so much. So have your big goals, but it, recognize it takes time to get to them and celebrate every little teeny tiny step that moves you there. And don't worry about what anybody else is doing. I don't think we could end this podcast on a better piece of advice, Sherry Lee. So I want to, from the bottom of my heart, really thank you for spending time with me and our guests, our audience today. And I look forward to reconnecting with you in the future. I have some specific things I want to talk to you about offline. So uh, Awesome. Oh, yeah, we'll be chatting. (laughs) And again, I just really want to thank you. I've enjoyed our time together today. Well, thanks so much for having me on, Sarah. I've really enjoyed it. My pleasure. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. We hope you liked what you heard. And if you did, we ask that you go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share. And until next time, have a great week living a no labels, no limits, and no excuses life.